I'm DJ Psyched, and you're listening to the Get Psyched Podcast. Let's get psyched about reading. I'm DJ Psyched. This is the Get Psyched Podcast, and today we're getting psyched about reading again. All right, this one's going to be a little extra special because I have a guest on the show with me today. Miranda is here. Uh, She's a fellow content creator at the station and my first ever reoccurring guest. So thank you for being on, Miranda. Yes, of course. Thanks for having me. As uh, as I've talked about it before on this podcast, the Harry Potter series is very new to me. This is my first time ever reading them or going through the movies in chronological order. So I don't really know what's happening. But Miranda, like, you know, like a normal person, she's familiar with the books and the movies. Uh, can you tell me a bit about like when you first read this series and like how old you were when you got into it? Yeah, um, I think it was the first like chapter book that I started reading, like the first book. Um, I think I was in about second or third grade and definitely like third grade when I read The Goblet of Fire. Nice. Yeah, because today we're talking about The Goblet of Fire uh, that we we watched this movie together last night and uh, I just finished reading the book over the past weekend. So, yeah, we're going to get into that. Uh, I'm going to preface it by saying that this was a very long one. It was much longer than the uh, last few books. So getting through this one took a while, and it's going to be a lot to try and discuss, but uh, yeah. So we're not going to spoil anything just yet and put that preface out there. We'll give a spoiler alert before we start all of that kind of stuff, but for starters, I just like to give a general sense of uh, what's going to happen and what the book's about and all that. So of course, the title of the book is Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. The genre is a fantasy, science fiction, has drama and mystery all up in it. And the length of this book was 735 pages, which is significantly longer than any of the other ones so far. Yeah. So, quick summary. In this book, we have the ancient game of the Triwizard Tournament. They bring it back uh, for the first time in many, many years. And so, basically, three wizard schools come together, and they're competing in this, like, little competition things. The schools each get one student to compete, which they call the school champion, and uh, the Goblet of Fire chooses who these people are. So that's that's basically the premise of the story that follows in this book. But we're going to get into the first highlight reel here. Uh, we're going to talk about some of our favorite moments from the book and the movie. Uh, they're pretty much the same thing. So <laughs> we're just going to talk about them both as if they're one unit. Uh, so, yeah. Spoilers are fair game for now on. Uh, so that's just going to put that warning out there. But... So to start things off, I'll give you a chance to talk. What are some of your favorite moments, like right off the bat, off the top of your head? Okay, so I really like the introduction of the other schools. I think it's so crazy, like, that they just add all of this lore in this book. Like, like we actually find out about other schools and, like, how kind of, like, the wizarding world operates with their, like, education system. And I really like how all of that comes together with the Triwizard Tournament. Um, My favorite part is probably the different events, like specifically the one underwater. And then like the last event with the maze, like that, it always like is so shocking to me. Yeah. I like how you uh, brought up the the world building because I think that is a big part. And I didn't even really notice that until you mentioned it. Like that's, basically the biggest thing about this book is you really get to dive into the world for the first time like it's not just 
Harry Potter and Hogwarts anymore. You have other schools. We get to see a bunch of wizards come from all over for, um, what was it, the big Quidditch uh, qua. I don't know how to say that, Quidditch match <laughs> at the beginning. Quidditch? Quidditch, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get to see, like, wizards from all around the world, and, and that's when we learn about, like, port keys, and, like, it's a whole new way of travel. Like, the world just is expanding hella in this story. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And we get to see, like, different elements come into play, like, um, with the, like, the Harry, Harry, like, on his broom in the first competition. Like, there's dragons. There's, like, the different, like, herbology plants coming into play. And it's just really cool. Like, this is one of my favorite books because it goes so in-depth into, like, the world. Yeah, no. It, and it explains why it's so long. Because, like, you do get a lot of context in this one. So uh, I'm going to jump into a few highlights. I have been reading it on my Kindle, so I just actually like highlight little moments that I like and I thought something that was really cute in the book was this one moment where uh they're talking to Neville and he he's like smiling and he's like really excited and he's like yeah Professor Moody gave me this book because he thought I'd like it and I just thought it was a cute moment because Neville is a character that gets overlooked like quite a lot um there's even like a moment in the book where you learn more about Neville's parents finally and Harry realizes that after knowing a guy for four years he didn't even bother to ask what was up with his parents mm-hmm. and uh so it was just kind of cute to see like how Harry is starting to make more connections but also Neville gets like a chance to uh be proud of himself and like I thought the moment like the way that it actually played out it was kind of like they were talking about how like how you treat people really matters because Neville is usually treated like trash by like Snape and all these other characters so he like acts very shy and doesn't really show any kind of like happiness and all that but then when someone notices and points out that he's good at herbology and like gives him a book he's like really excited about it and she makes a point to talk about how he looks happier than he ever has before yeah I think that's so cute like he finally gets to have his place in Hogwarts and like get recognized for it yeah especially like it's just so cute like you're right like this is one of the best books because you get so much background like Mm -hmm. we finally learn about Neville's parents and we finally get to learn more about where he comes from and you realize that like everyone is so focused on oh like there's there's this Harry Potter he's so cool and then there's the big families like the Malfoys and the Weasleys but people who are still significant like like Neville's family and stuff they kind of they didn't get the highlight they quite deserved in the first few books Mm. but of course it was still building the world so yeah understandable but yeah and another another point here (laughs) is uh Hermione and the house elves it's just so funny. Like, in the book, it's just such a big thing. She's really into these house elves and how they're doing stuff, but no one's noticing it. And we'll save more of that talk for later. It's just one of the things I highlighted because it was, it was kind of funny how someone said, we've been working, like, house elves in here, and Hermione got really offended because she's like, how can you say that, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, I think something that's a fun point to talk about because it was a really big thing in the book, and they, they did put it in the movie. It just obviously wasn't quite as long was that period of time where Ron was really upset with Harry. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty significant moment in this book because that is their, like, the first fight we've ever seen between the two. And it was Mm -hmm. a pretty significant one, too. What did you think about that? It was crazy. Like, their tension is so palpable. Like, it reminds me of fights that I had when I was their age. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I don't know... 
I'm sure everyone feels this way, kind of like in a sense, like when you're not the one in a fight or something, you can see how silly it is. Mm -hmm. But like, 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 I don't know, when I read the book, I get angry and frustrated at them both because I'm like, this could be really easy. Just talk to each other and tell each other how you feel. But it's so much easier to say that than to be in like Harry and Ron's position and, and be the ones to have feelings but not want to tell someone about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, like, we've all been in those situations, but it's it's just, like, a testament to, like, J.K. Rowling's ability to create this insanely realistic world, even though it's a fantasy book. Yeah, and that's what I think, like, makes Harry Potter such a unique series, is that even though it's, like, really fantastic and there's all these elements of wizardness and like rules of crazy things that people can do and just I don't know it's just imagination runs wild they're still really real characters and they go through very real problems and I find myself having a lot of these moments of like it hit too deep and I'm like oh that's too real man (laughs) (laughs) I don't know like and, and you do start to like there are moments that are very blatant like when whenever like Sirius or or um, Dumbledore or, or Hagrid or someone wise or whatever drops a bomb and you're like whoa that's really real but then I think the most powerful things about this story is, are those moments that aren't quite as in your face but they're like still like way too real <laughs> I know like I mean both of us were pretty emotional watching the ending part <laughs> because it's it's just like wow like they really did a good job with the cinematography and like uh Rowling did a good job with the story because it's it's just like so tragic yeah it really is and like they left out one of um one of the more tragic moments from the the book to the movie uh like when Hagrid gets into a fight with uh that school lady madam what was her name I don't know yeah madam whatever (laughs) when um (laughs) Because in the, in the book, there's, like, that moment where, like, Hagrid admits to being part giant. And mm-hmm. uh, and she gets really upset about it because she's like, are you trying to imply that I'm a giant? I'm not a giant. And and that whole storyline, like, just like the house elves thing, like, she was definitely trying to make a point with all that. Yeah, <laughs> But sure. it gets, like, really real at one part because her, Hermione's like, you got to, like, understand that, like, why she would act that way because hey if if i knew what kind of prejudice i would get for being who i am i would probably lie and say i was big bone too and that part hit way too way too real that's crazy yeah isn't it like she really like i I don't know like it's crazy because we all love hadgrid he's an amazing character he was put there to be lovable Mm -hmm. and and people start to treat him different just when they find out who he is and that's like that's some real shit right there. <laughs> I know. We've all been through something like that. It hits hard. Exactly. And it's definitely it's definitely the theme of this story, right? Because we have these three different schools that are coming together. Like, they're all from different places, and they're trying to learn to cooperate. And then we also have the house elves, and then we have the, the giants talk. Like, there's definitely some talk of acceptance in this book. Yeah, I like that a lot because... I mean, as, like, a little kid with, like, a head of curly hair that, like, look, I didn't look like anyone else in my elementary school. And, like, reading that book and, like, seeing Hermione and Hagrid really, like, 
helped with my self-confidence and like accepting myself so I really yeah. appreciate that yeah I I love I love that she made that the theme of this book especially because um like near the end she ties it all in right because because like you still there's still all these this deep stuff happening but there's still this broader story of like magicalness and oh my gosh uh Voldemort's coming back and you kind of like I think near the end of the book or something, I don't know, Dumbledore starts talking about how, like, this is... They basically kind of imply that they set up the Triwizard Tournament solely for the fact of getting over their differences because they know Voldemort's coming. Mm-hmm. You know, like, to them, like, they're, like, united we stand. Like, we have to stop seeing ourselves as uh, being different because right now it's just people with pure hearts versus people who are trying to kill us all. It shouldn't be anything else, you know? Yes. And I think that, that that shit's just deep, man. <laughs> I know. Like setting aside your differences for the greater good of the world. It's like, it's just such a, it's a big message. <laughs> I know, it's what, it's what we all need. Yeah, and like, I don't know, like, and the cool thing about it is with books like this that have really uh, broad, deep meanings is that their relevance can carry on for a very long time. Because I'm sure what it meant to you when you were young is not going to be the exact same thing it means to someone like like me who's reading it now older and all that but it's still relevant and just in different ways because like when I think about the story I just kept thinking about the way the world is right now and how like Mm -hmm. there's some crazy stuff happening and there are still people who choose to be ignorant and absurd and bring it back to race and things they don't need to be bringing it back to when it's like hey this should be the world we're cooperating, we're together, and we're trying to get through this as a world. Like, there's no need to be like this right now. And it's 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 just cool when stuff has such a powerful message that through time, it'll still hold up forever. Yeah, I love that. Beautiful stuff. It is beautiful. I'm trying to look through <laughs> any more notes. Do you have any more moments in particular you want to talk about or any other favorite things? Um, okay, so... In a lot of the books, Harry, like, kind of gets on my nerves. I don't know if that's just because I'm, like, I like an anti-hero or whatever, but um, in this book, I actually liked his behavior, (laughs) and I was okay with it. What do you mean by that? So, So, like there are a lot of times like you'll see it like I don't if you've started the next book like you'll see how moody he is oh yeah and like there's just times when like throughout the series where he's just making blatantly bad decisions you just want him to do something else but um like in this one I really like I was okay like I was okay with what he did you know like down in the in the lake like rescuing yeah. LaFleur's um, little sister. Yeah. And just like, you know, he's like, I feel like he's more selfless, more more brave, and less of like a, a teenager. Yeah. They're definitely, they're all growing up a bit and becoming more of themselves, you know? For sure. And yeah, I think Harry definitely is growing a lot in this book. Um, I I talked about it in the last book, like character growth and all that. Like, I feel like in the last book, we got a lot of growth from Hermione Mm -hmm. because she's changed. I think of the three main characters, she has changed the absolute most since the start of the series. I think so, too. 
but I do think that Harry and Ron really start catching up at this point in the book series. Like they start to be more like people and they're developing themselves. And like, while Harry is growing, I think Harry and Ron's tension was important for their growth because they both had to learn to like accept how they really feel and accept who they're becoming. Because like Harry at first, you know, being the really uh, popular boy who had no idea that he was like so famous at first, it was all fun and games and like, he didn't like it, but now he really is over it. He's tired of it. He's becoming infamous. Uh, you know, people aren't just worshiping him anymore. Now he has he has real fame now because he's got all the haters. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that the way that it affects Harry and, and Ron and their growth, yeah, they definitely make a big point about that in this book, which is cool. Definitely. I, I just like, that's like one of my favorite parts of reading these books because just getting to see the characters progress and make better decisions and just be better. It makes me want to root for them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was mad at Ron for a bit during this book, but then like (laughs) a little over halfway through, I was like, okay, you're fine, I guess. I hope you and Hermione work through your differences because there's obviously some tension there. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. (laughs) But yeah, um, uh, looking at my notes now, there's actually one part that I really want to talk about because I thought it was so like, I don't know. I love when Dumbledore just says like really wise shit and I'm like, this feels like some stuff I could meditate to. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he says he says uh, at one point when he's talking to Harry, uh, he's like, understanding is the first step to acceptance and only once we accept can we have recovery. And then, like, when he's trying to ask Harry to recount his trauma (laughs) moments after it just happened, he's serious as, like, no, you should let him nap, and, like, we'll talk about it later. And he's like, no, numbing the pain for a while will only make it worse when you finally feel it. And I was like, I didn't need to hear that, Dumbledore. (laughs) Getting a little way too deep. (laughs) Yeah. I can't imagine being, like, 12 and reading that. (laughs) I know. It's just, like... It just hits so real. Like, that's, like, I'm not even going to try and sit here and explain it. Like, if you hear that, it just hits you, you know? For sure. And for Dumbledore to just so casually say it after Harry just had some guy, like, die two inches from him is, like... I know. He almost got killed himself. I know, right? But Dumbledore's like, nah, you gotta face it now. You gotta push (laughs) through the pain. (laughs) It was wild. But, um... Yeah, Uh, the last bit of notes I have comes from the end of the book, and I think it was just another social social relevant point that she threw in there, and it it was a brilliant one. It's that uh, obviously at the end of the book and the movie, when all is said and done, like Voldemort's back, this should be huge wizarding news. Everyone should be like coming up with plans of what they're going to do. They should be uniting forces, but instead... The Ministry of Magic, the the higher up power in this world, is just going to choose to deny it all and pretend it's not happening. Mm-hmm. And I think obviously there's a huge political like talk there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it goes back to censorship and just like how things are mishandled in government. It's interesting too because like a lot of J.K. Rowling's books have been banned and censored. I wonder why. (laughs) (laughs) Witchcraft. (laughs) Yeah. It's just crazy. Like, when I saw that, like, I honestly, like, in my head, when all this happened, when Voldemort was returned and and Cedric was killed, I was like, whoa, shit's about to get crazy in this book. Like, 
Like they're just they're like the, the structure is gone. They're just gonna go wild, and then they're like, no, we're gonna refuse it, and we're going to keep living life as normal and pretend that didn't happen because we don't believe this little boy. I'm like, wait, that's a way more realistic ending. Shit. <laughs> I know. And even like, I think it's Fudge, right? Fudge is the Minister of Magic. Is that his yes. Name? Yes? Question mark. I'm pretty sure that's it. <laughs> when um. When at the end, he's being told everything and he's being given all the evidence and being told like, hey, if we don't do something now, we're going to be screwed. Like, this is our chance. He says, this could end my career. And then Do- uh, Dumbledore's like, you're blinded. Like, the world could literally end. And this guy's worried about his reputation. <laughs> it's so realistic. It's so realistic, it hurts. <laughs> it's sad. <laughs> but yeah, that... It's just it's just to bring back the point that we were talking about earlier. Like I think that's why these these stories are so popular. It's because it, it sometimes, a lot of the time, I don't get the the ending I want here. Like when I'm reading, I'm like, please tell me Cedric's coming back, and nope, I know <laughs> it's over. And when it's over, it's over. And even though I want the Ministry to like support them, and even though I want Rita Seeker to leave our favorite main characters alone. It's just far more realistic. <laughs> Screw Rita Seeker. <laughs> yeah, she's canceled. But yeah, so that's that's most of it. Most of the notes I have, I think. I'm just looking through them one more time. Yeah, that was, that was it for my main points. Was there anything else you want to talk about in that section? Um, you can go ahead. All right. So last, or one of the last things I like to do on this series, uh, we've been talking about the movie quite a lot in this one, but I do want to give a little special moment to just talk about the differences between the movie and the book, because I think that um, how you experience a story obviously matters. Um, And as always, books always, or, or almost always, are better than the movies. And I could definitely say that for Harry Potter, although I will say that, like, by no means are the movies inadequate or not good. They're fantastic, but you obviously will always get more story from the book. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so talking about the movies, I'm just going to go ahead and say that my absolute favorite scene, which I'm so glad made it into the movie, was when (laughs) they turned Malfoy into a ferret. Yeah. (laughs) That was was golden. I loved it when I read it, and then seeing it, it was so pleasing to watch. (laughs) I know. It's finally some justice. I know, right? After all... Every time I see them on the screen or every time they appear in the book, I'm like, please walk away, Malfoy. Please. I know. So that was that it's was my worst. favorite moment. What's your favorite uh, moment or uh, difference between the book and the movie? To be honest, I read the book like <laughs> um, eleven years ago. Okay, that's fine. So what? So what's your favorite like moment from the movie? Like visually, or maybe just the way it played out? Oh, I guess one difference is like how how I pictured the underwater scene versus how the movie portrayed it because like I personally like it's my favorite part of the book like when he's underwater like dealing with that stuff like it's just like such a magical like picture that JK Rowling paints but then in in the movie it's just kind of disgusting (laughs) because like Harry like literally transforms into this ugly fish thing and, like, the mermaids look disgust, too. Yeah. It's just, like, it's very... Rowling is, like, really, really good at 
helping you paint your own picture in your mind. So, like, I think there's little, like, there's always some things that I pictured completely differently than how yeah. they're portrayed in the movie. But it's not, it's not bad. It's just something I'm aware of. Yeah. It's just a difference. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely a difference that a lot of people uh, get when you read a book and watch a movie. And I, I agree with you because, like, I don't know, a lot of movies, like, once you watch them, you're like, hey, that's not how I expected it. But in Harry Potter, in my opinion, they just make everything far uglier in the movie than I would have <laughs> thought it in my head, you know? Yeah. Like, just visually less less of what you'd imagine. Like, not that the Sirius in the movie is, is ugly. He's not. It's just he does not look anything like the one that I imagined from the book. Yeah. I mean, so, some of it gives a lot of value. Like, I like the disgusting transformation of Mad-Eye Moody to um, <laughs> Crouch Jr. Like, that is so yeah. horrifying, and that sticks with you. Oh, yeah. That scene that scene was really weird. I was like, what is he turning into? Isn't he supposed to be Crouch? It, it, just, it was horrifying. It was. And, yeah, like, I didn't like... Like, I really didn't like stomaching having to watch Voldemort transform like that, but it was it was kind of necessary. Like, it added some some tension and some like suspense to him coming back you know yeah definitely like when they when they just drop the little baby form of Voldemort <laughs> into the cauldron the baby baby Voldemort it's so bad yeah I did not want to see that quite the moment in the story <laughs> But yeah, I think the only the only one I've really had a problem with, like Mad Eye Moody, is a bit different than I would have expected. Mm-hmm. But I can't stand looking at Wormtail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know how. Like, no offense to that actor, but he really does be looking like a rat. <laughs> yeah, no, they definitely put some effects in there and all that to make it happen. But it is it is quite the interesting <laughs> transformation. Uh. But yeah, going back into some uh, differences and stuff, I, I highlighted some of the biggest differences that I noticed. Um, going back to like the characters, not even just how they look, but I think something I'm starting to notice more and more, especially in this book, is that the characters tend to feel very different to me. Like I feel very different towards certain book characters than I did when they were in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that obviously comes down to the fact that like in the book, you get more context, you get inside of characters' heads more. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like in the book, some characters uh, like like Mad-Eye Moody, for instance, and even Hagrid, they feel warmer in the book than they are in the movie. Yeah. Like, I tend to feel a lot closer to them when I'm reading the book. And then in the movie, they kind of feel, especially Mad-Eye Moody, just feels a bit more passive than they were in the book. Yeah. And uh, and their their roles change a lot. I've noticed that. Like we talked about it yesterday when we were watching the movie. Like I, it wasn't until the very end that I noticed it. But like Sirius or however you say his name, because I'm sure I keep saying it wrong. He like is hardly in that movie, but he was a pretty big part of it. And he's a pretty big part of Harry's life. Like Harry's kind of obsessed with him in the books, but in the movie, he's just he just kind of shows up when he wants to. You I know? know it seems kind of random. Yeah, like he just pops out of the fire and he's like. Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Was that you? And we're like, like, what? Who are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Haven't seen you since last movie. <laughs> I know. And yeah, it's just like, 
I don't know. It it's it like makes sense. Like if they put in all the details that make the book what it is into the movie, these would be like seven hour movies. Definitely. But but it is kind of like sad how certain characters, like especially some of my favorites, like him, like they kind of you don't get a lot of them out of the movies. Yeah. They totally left Winky out of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna be honest. I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was just like. She was just a little house elf who got, like, she was the house elf for Crouch's family. And she was, like, keeping their big secret for them. And she was the one that got blamed when the, the dark mark went up and stuff. And oh, later on yeah. in the book, she's kind of like an alcoholic because she lost her job. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I remember her now. Yeah, she was, like, not the most important character, obviously. But, like, it is kind of, like, one of those things where, like, you definitely will get more out of the books. Because, like, that's a whole character you didn't get. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was just a point I wanted to make because I, I, I didn't even notice until I was writing these notes. Because like, obviously, as long as the whole story is true to it, like you'll you'll feel like after reading the book, and you watch the movie, you're like, yeah, that was pretty on par. You'd have to really stop and reflect and notice some of these differences. Yeah. Like the gillyweed coming from Neville instead of Dobby. Not the worst difference in the world. I totally understand why they did it. But I don't know. Like you get a lot more of Dobby in the books than you're, you're really getting in the movie at this point. True. I like Dobby, so that makes me a little sad. Aw. <laughs> and yeah, like, we, we already talked about some of the other differences that I was going to uh, bring up earlier, like the fact that Hagrid and, and Madam, whatever her name is, don't get into their fight over the giant thing that never happens in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't get any of Hermione and her obsession with the house elves in the movie. So I guess, like, obviously for cinema, like, it's all about putting the big story out there, getting the action and the drama, and, and I guess some of the smaller moments that just add social value to it, like, aren't totally necessary. Yeah, I feel like I feel like some of it is lacking, but I feel like if you have read the books, then you, like, can get more out of it when you're watching the movie. And that's a good point. Like, honestly, I do think that if you if you haven't read the books, then like you should because you get a lot more out of it. But I do think that the, the understanding is that most people who are watching these movies have read the books. Yeah. Like the vast majority, because I, I mean, I even so I've never like read him before because when they came out, I wasn't into reading. Like I was very young, like you and I. But I was not into reading when I was young, so I didn't bother and by the time I was old enough to read them, they had they were not allowed to be read in my house. So I didn't read them. <laughs> but I did have an older sister who had read uh, most of them and stuff. And I remember that, like, my mom would take her... Like, I don't remember this personally, but she had told me about it. Like, my mom would take her to these book, si- these book release parties and, like, there'd be kids upon kids lined up outside of these bookstores waiting for the next Harry Potter book. So, like, I do think it's, like, yeah, they made these movies knowing that the vast majority of their audience knows the story. Yeah. But, uh, so that's, I mean, so if you want the most out of Harry Potter, I guess you just got to read the story too. I guess so. <laughs> because, uh, yeah. Last, the last, or one of the last big differences I noticed that I just wanted to bring up because, I don't know, I felt it, don't know how everyone else felt about it, but I just feel like in the book, Hermione seemed a little bit more interested in Crumb. Like, she didn't seem like she was, like, madly in love with him. But I feel like they made a point to make it, like, she wasn't into him in the movie. But -hmm. it wasn't really like that in the book, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, they had a few cute moments. But, you know, 
they could have done a little more there. Yeah, they could have they could have done a little more with it. And also, I feel like they they were really trying to push this she's not that into him thing because she was talking about it with Harry. She was like, yeah, he doesn't really always reply when I talk. He just kind of listens to me stutter and stuff, and it's kind of boring. And I'm like, why are you shit-talking this man you're going to the ball with? <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think that was obviously just to further the storyline of, of her and Ron's tension. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, I don't know. I guess it's they can't go for the slow burn in the movies, so they're just kind of blunt about things. True. And um, yeah, Rita Seeker was a lot less annoying in the movie. That was cool because I couldn't stand her in the books. I couldn't stand her either way, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like that. You remember that? I don't remember his name, but that annoying dark uh, arts teacher from a couple of books ago. The one that was just re- way too into himself. Oh, Lockhart? Yeah, Lockhart. I hate that guy so much. I think the worst character is coming up in the next book. Really? Like, my my personal least favorite character. Ooh, I'm excited to figure out who that is. Because I can't stand Lockhart. <laughs> yeah, like, Lockhart cancelled. Rita cancelled. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I only brought him up because I think that something that Rita and Lockhart have in common are that their book counterparts are 10,000 times more annoying than their movie parts. I'm on. I'm honestly grateful for it, so I don't have to deal with it. <laughs> Same. I was actually like, like, that was actually my least favorite book so far. And not even because it was written bad or anything. I just literally can't stand Lockhart. Like, I can't imagine myself rereading that book just because of Lockhart's existence in it. But He's like, I was grateful to watch the movie and see that he did not have nearly as close an impact i know so is that all all of your differences that was all the differences that i've noticed there's probably some more that i didn't mention so like if you're listening and you want to give us some differences please let me know uh do you have any more differences or anything you've noticed i don't but i have a question for you yes do you have any predictions for the next book that's a great question. <laughs> um, I'll say that I am currently 10% through the next one. Mm-hmm. Not very far, but I kind of have an idea of where this one's going. Like, I've just met the Order of the Phoenix, mm-hmm. um, where Harry's staying with, with them now. And, um, you know, honestly, I'm trying to wrap my head around where this goes because Harry's currently in that position where they're thinking about suspending him from Hogwarts because he used his powers and he's confused about where uh, he's confused about what's up with Voldemort and where that's going. And I don't know. I'm hoping what I'm hoping for is that obviously like there's some serious injustice. If he were to get suspended, I don't think that's going to happen at all. And I hope that it's just kind of like, it brushes over kind of fast and he goes back to school as normal. And it's like any other story where like he's at school, some, some things happen. (laughs) I'm trying to watch my language here. And then Voldemort's going to come in and there's going to be some crazy battle, but I can't really predict anything too like precise. Cause Mm -hmm. I feel like there's just, there's just so many possibilities about what can happen. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited because we're, I, I definitely think we're going to get so much more out of certain characters that we don't see enough. Like, Ron's, two of his older brothers are, like, a part of the Order of the Phoenix, and that makes me so excited because I love the Weasley family. 
I know. They're the best. So I'm like ready to get more from them. Except for Percy. Fuck Percy. <laughs> yeah, he's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm I'm pretty excited for this book because it's also the next book. This one is 900 pages. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, there's definitely going to be a lot that happens in this next one. I'm excited for it. It's a good one. I'd ask you what you think's going to happen, but I don't want that spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> I think something crazy will happen. <laughs> I think Voldemort might be there. Do you think Voldemort's going to be there? I, I, I hope don't... he dies in the next one. Yeah, I think he will. <laughs> The series has just ended after that. It does? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, but I do have a question for you because I like to end these with a discussion question. If you uh, are interested in answering this question too, there's a link in the description to a Goodreads where we can have a discussion about this question. So here's the question. Hermione's obsession with house elves. All right, she has an obsession with house elf rights. And it's overlooked by a lot of characters in this book. They all seem to be very adamant on leaving things the way they are because they think that house elves are happy the way that they are. And house elves themselves, when they talk to them, they say that they don't want to be taken from their work and they don't want to be paid for their work. They like things how they are. So my question is, uh, what do you think is so significant about the fact that Hermione sees a very big problem with this system versus wizards and house elves who just want things to stay as they are. Because obviously uh, we have two systems here. One is used to the system, wizards and house elves themselves. And then we also have a girl who grew up with muggles and it's her first time encountering this kind of thing. So what do you think about it? I think it's, you know, the classic dilemma in social changes because they're this is this is how it goes for like a lot of big issues like um i mean we can use gay marriage as an example like a lot of um like politicians spoke against gay marriage because they were like it's always been like this we've never had it any other way so like why make these changes even though yeah. there's an injustice there yeah definitely I totally agree. I think it's definitely like a big, big old metaphor for like uh, when people are used to an issue, they don't see a reason to change it because, you know, if you're used to something, you're like, well, what's what's the big deal? What's the point in changing? It's how it's always been. Things are as they are. Uh, but obviously, like like we talked about earlier with Ron and Harry's fight as an outsider, it's always easier to notice things and to feel some kind of way. Yes. When you see something that you're not used to. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think they're they're trying to make a point about how uh, sometimes things don't feel wrong because you're just so used to them. You can't see things being any different. And I think that it is beyond interesting that not just the wizards being like, oh, like our house elves are fine. Like, I think it's really interesting that she made the house elves say that they were okay with it. Yeah. Because uh, I think there's just there's just a lot of, I don't know, I personally think that uh, it kind of goes to show some stuff about like victim blaming and uh, how like someone may not even notice how they're so 
like like not even realize that they could have things better like like hey like i'm like if a certain group of people is facing some kind of injustice how like they might not even notice that uh they could have things better and they could they could fight for something better but mm-hmm. maybe it just hasn't occurred to them yet you know or maybe they don't feel like they have enough power to uh make themselves better because they're a minority in a way definitely yeah i don't know i definitely think that that like little house self story thing though is it's making a lot of big points definitely especially i mean it's still relevant today like you said like so so much of these themes exactly adapt into today's world yeah totally so (laughs) harry potter and the goblet of fire do you have any last points you want to make um i'm a ravenclaw same (laughs) we're ravenclaws in this house we are ravenclaws we are and if you want to talk about your house one of the last discussion questions we had on the series was talking about how houses are portrayed in the story and how you feel about your house so head over there if you're interested (laughs) (laughs) but yeah um I'm glad I'm glad you feel similarly on this one as I do because I, I I think you did mention when I was like halfway through that this was one of your favorites yeah and uh, it's definitely become one of one of my favorites so far obviously I can't make that judgment yet but of the ones I've read so far this has definitely been my favorite yes we love it was, it. it was worth the 750 pages <laughs> so yeah um, if you haven't yet. Check out the book club. Keep up to date with this series because we're going to keep going with the rest of the books and the movies. And at the very end of it all, there's going to be a nice special episode where we recap the whole thing. So that's that's going to be interesting. So, uh, yeah, if you have any thoughts, please let me know. I'd love to hear your thoughts because there's nothing more fun than talking books with someone. Thank you for joining me, Miranda. Of course. Thank you. And uh, until the next book, let's stay psyched about reading. You can end the recording now. Yummy.